And what is going on? Happy New Year. Happy 2024. This is the first brand new season of Last Week in Wrestling Podcast. And of course, I had to go big or go home. And of course, I had to bring my guy in, Richie Mars, from Retold with Richie Mars Podcast. This guy has been an amazing, amazing content creator over on TikTok. I've been following him for quite some time now. He finally follows me back. So that's always good and plenty. And I love seeing that awesomeness always happening every time we go ahead and touch on the microphone. And another resident, OL, uh, over here on the island of islands, nonetheless. But of course, we have to let him talk about who he is because this guy, he's a mass wonder. We need to know more about him. Richie, my guy, how are you? Happy New Year. And tell the good people who you are, what you do. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, happy New Year to yourself as well. And also, uh, thank you for having me on the season two premiere of last week in wrestling podcast. Uh, like Dylan said, I am a podcaster, fellow podcaster called Wrestling Retold and Relive with Richie Mars. New episodes every Tuesday. And the concept is I usually bring on a guest. They choose a topic and I do my research on it. And the topics can be about anything. I didn't episode by myself of why Vince Russo's 2002 return lasted a day. I did a career retrospective on Seth Rollins. And then my guests, it, they had a wide variety of topics. Like my recent guest did a, uh, said, Hey, let's talk about the, uh, wrestling families, the Mount Rushmore of wrestling families. I'm like, all right, let's compare a list. Let's see how they differ. Let's see how they're similar and go on from there. So did a little about that. And then career retrospectives. I did one on Keith Lee. I did one on Seth Rollins. And uh, those are just only a couple of uh, episodes that I have in the podcast realms. And like Dylan said, I'm also on TikTok at Retold Richie Mars. And I post about three to five videos a day. And they're all about current wrestling, past wrestling, past wrestling. Did you know facts? I had one about Paul London and why he received heat for his Royal Rumble spot where he hit the shooting star press after Gene Snitsky clotheslined him and he had to get stretchered out. He actually got heat for that. You could watch that video on the TikTok as well and also current wrestling ideas like i posted one today about why it's not a good decision to turn cody Rhodes just yet and i also have facts and proof to back it up why he should not turn heel so that's just a little sample of what you get on tiktok but again new content every day like i said three to five tiktok videos so you're gonna see me eventually oh that's for sure you're definitely <laughs> gonna see him 100 i i Sometimes I open up my phone. I'm like, oh, God, am I about to see him again? Because absolutely, I'm going to see him again. And I love it. I love all the takes that you do, buddy. You've been doing great work. Keep up the great work. I cannot wait to see what new awesome things 2024 has in store for you. And, of course, this episode, like every other episode, is going to be partnered and along with the main event network over in Chicago, the uh, On The Mark podcast, guys over there and of course nord vpn but we'll talk about that a little bit later on down the road into the show because man oh man richie we got a lot a lot of things to talk about between wwe aew we were both at world's end on the greatest island of all islands long island new york hanging out with of course our king well at least my king mjf <laughs> and samoa joe and all the other bashful fools that decided to hang out with us there and of course have a great great time it was an amazing show overall some little things maybe we'll talk about as we get closer to the thing that were in my favorite but 
I, I've unfortunately hung up the, the scarf in the Raptors. We're not wearing any MJF gear until he comes back. But nonetheless, we have a lot more besides AEW to talk about. And let's get right into it, buddy. Let's get right into the first topic right here as WWE's first topic being Mercedes Monet deal and where will she go? Now, of course, we've heard a lot of things as of lately going into 2024 with the fact that Mercedes Monet trademarked a whole bunch of names to get herself that new age era publicity, whatever you want to call it. She wants to make sure nobody can take what she is making and building for herself. And I've been in talks with, of course, AEW, but that kind of fell through. Then she was in talks with WWE, but the biggest thing with her with WWE is she wants to be paid more than Charlotte Flair, who is now getting, I think, seven or maybe the crazy eight-figure numbers now at this stage. It's ridiculous. But, Richie, I, I know you've heard this, and I know all the other fans have heard this. So what is some of your thoughts on, of course, this topic here about what could we see at a Mercedes Monet come this year? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a game-changing year for Mercedes Monet. It's definitely going to put the light to the direction she's going to go in whatever company she decides to go to. Uh, do I think uh, she, like, her asking price uh, was higher than Charlotte Flair reportedly. Again, we don't know if that's true or not. We don't know if that's a story because if we remember one of the CM Punk rumors of WWE coming back, uh, Basically, they were saying it was talks died down. So we don't really know where she's going to end up. There's also rumors I've been seeing of WWE in a possible stardom uh, relationship. So, again, we're looking at a different WWE, not to the extent of what AEW is doing with other promotions, because WWE is just a giant juggernaut. But we saw uh, Charlie Dempsey going to uh, Japan for uh, uh, All Pro, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, yep. So he so again, WWE is not shy with working with other promotions now that uh, Triple H has got full reign of creative and uh, with Mercedes Monet asking for more than Charlotte Flair. And I was like, OK, you know, I didn't really see a problem with that. If you're going to negotiate with a company, you don't start on what you think your value is at. You always mm. start high and then then you discuss and negotiate down to see what you get. Uh, and I think it's look, if uh, WWE uh, thinks they need Mercedes Monet, they should probably like, you know, sign Mercedes Monet as quickly as possible as Sasha Banks, because you have Charlotte Flair, who's out for probably a year, uh, maybe a little less than. So that leaves a open spot in the roster at the same time. Does WWE think they could, insert somebody that they already have into that spot. And it's very interesting because Charlotte Flair is a top two, top three name in the women's division overall in WWE. And you have to think is, does WWE have that person that could insert into Charlotte Flair's place? Yeah. I mean, you definitely make some very good points there about the whole entire deal. You know, my, my take on it is really this is that, with Mercedes doing amazing work in New Japan before the injury, of course, against, uh, you know, Kyrie Sane and everything. Now, being that transition into back to American states of, of wrestling, you know, a different, a whole different bracket again. Mm -hmm. We're we're talking about someone that made a huge staple in WWE and, you know, of course, with her tag team partner, Naomi, 
Uh, but my real thing is, where would we really put her? You know, we already have somewhat of an established women's roster going into 2024. We have, of course, Becky and Nia Jax. They're feuding. We have, of course, Bailey and EO and Damage Control and Dakota Kai coming back. Hopefully, this Friday, we have Machine versus EO Sky for the Women's uh, Championship at New Year's Revolution. So, we already have a lot of pre made stories that would almost be hard to put in someone like Sasha Banks into the mix right now before WrestleMania. You know, I feel like if they are going to bring back Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, then maybe after Mania is maybe where that introduction could be. You know, she debuts at Mania, she comes back, and is just like the surprise of WrestleMania night one or night two. So that way we have that inkling and hope that, hey, she's coming back and this is what could be happening with her going forward. She could be, you know, in the parts of her and Bailey. She could be with damage control. She could be working on someone like Becky. Maybe Charlotte comes back around that time as well, hopefully from injury and everything ready to go. Or, you know, she just starts on her new path where she's putting over a lot of these newer women that aren't getting so much of a limelight, like the Candice LeRae's, like the Indy Hartwell's, like the Zoe Starks and Shayna Baszler's, and maybe getting her into a Raw roster instead of a SmackDown roster as that new go-around. But I don't know, you know, at the time right now with everything going into, of course, Rumble at the end of this month, Elimination Chamber going into next, there I feel is too much for just a moment of clarity or really just like a, a let me input Sh uh, Sasha Banks here now before WrestleMania because this will just of course sell more tickets and get to them all of that money that they want but at this stage you know is it really worth signing her as of today in WWE and of course the other thing is AEW you know with AEW being the fact that if from that press conference and the media call that Tony Khan had last year that, you know, he wants to reamp this women's division. He wants to put new, fresh, free agents into that women's division. We just had Deanna Piazzo come in last night on Dynamite. And, of course, going after Mariah May, who just debuted as well. Queen Amita, who not really many of us know, but maybe she's going to be working in the Ring of Honor circle, then coming into the AEW bracket down the road. Who knows? But Having maybe someone like Sasha and Britt come back together at somewhat of a same time, going after someone like Tony Storm or Chris Statlander could be very interesting. Could also see the return of Jamie Hayter now that we have Thunder Rosa back. Add her into the mix as well with someone like Mercedes Monet could be very interesting. She could be that uh, wheel that starts moving that brand new women's division in that next motion forward that Tony has been talking about. So there's a lot on the table, but I don't know, maybe WWE isn't the best option with everything going on. Do you, would you say you would agree to that? Do you think that maybe AEW is a better spot or maybe just sticking to the Indies is more her, her speed for right now? I mean, it depends what you like, how you look at it because Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks, uh, we only know her from her, majority for her wwe stuff and some of her new japan stuff before 
uh, she got that unfortunate injury. And I think her name has kind of cooled off a little bit in terms of that, just because we've only seen a handful of matches with her. And it depends on if uh, Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, the artist still wants to have those like 20, 30 minute classics of an AEW or a uh, stardom New Japan wrestling or does she want big stories like you have at a wwe with aw it's easy for her to be the top star right off the jump uh it's easy because the aew's women's division has struggled for lack of a better term for a while kind of finding its identity and that champion to kind of uh surround themselves with i think they finally got it in tony storm uh the thing is tony storm is popular she's very popular but she's also a heel so is mercedes monet is she going to be a baby face is she going to be heel that's the thing she could do either or so she's a very versatile addition to the roster but as we see if you have a addition to the aew roster it's you're not going to feel as special for very long if you're a full-time performer we've seen it with adam copeland when he signed with aew and then some of the buzz with when he got in kind of like dipped off a little bit no fault of his of uh, adam copeland it's just we see him okay this is where adam copeland's role is going to be with christian cage until they decide to move him into something different and with mercedes monet we're not sure who she would feud with off the jump i don't think they would put her with the championship right away and who and if that's the case who do you put her in with you know you could put her in with a Britt baker you could put her in with a uh chris statlander but you have to think that you have to make sure it's a showcase for Mercedes Monet. And is that worth sacrificing a name you already have established on your woman's roster already? So there's a couple different factors in that. And if it's uh, not to the expectations of the fans or the crowd, I call it the Bret Hart WCW effect, you know, where it's going to be a disappointment and then people are going to be lukewarm on the return at large in AEW. For WWE, a lot more stories can happen with, you know, with Bailey, with damage control, with all of that. And there are also matches like with a Liv Morgan, like a Rhea Ripley. Like there's a, a cycle of new but similar people for Sasha Banks to work with. And it just kind of all depends if she feels like she wants to be in a singles or if she's open to other things creatively. So there's a lot of different factors with uh, Mercedes Monet. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you hit it right on the head with that as well. Like, you know, wherever she goes, she wants to be the what? She doesn't want to be number two seed. She wants to be the number one. That's why she's supposedly asked for more money with WWE. That's why maybe the AEW conversations have died down because of Tony's new motive for the women's division in 2024 that he's been mm -hmm. preaching about. So there is a lot. There is a lot here at play with something like that. And I feel that now we could have a very different outcome of where Sasha or Mercedes will be come 2024. You know, hopefully wherever she lands, she is getting the correct treatment creatively because I know that was a big deal to her. The last time she was a part of WWE was another reason why she left wwe um at the time and if that is the case hunter you know triple h being the guy now in charge 
I think would do very good with her, especially with Tony trying to take on this new role of rebooking and reamping the women's division. So maybe it is a safer option to go to WWE because, of course, like you said, you have a lot of wiggle room to work with a lot of new people as well as throw her back into the same mixes that she had prior where, you know, before she left, before Charlotte became the number one star and of course Bailey and everybody else in between and Nia Jax and so on and so forth. So maybe it is a safer bet for someone like her to go to WWE. And of course, you know, they're the big money, yes. you know, they're a billion plus company. They got stocks and investments all over the place. Peacock deals, you know, now they're trying to go after Warner brothers for TBS and TNT. Like there's so much that WWE is putting their hands into that. The well of money will never dry. And if Mercedes wants uh, three commas in her name, there is a good possibility that it could happen. And it could happen a lot more easier with someone like WWE than maybe with someone like Tony Khan uh, with everything else that's on his plate, you know, going forward into, into 2024. But we'll see. It's just begun. 2024 just begun. We're only, what, four days? Four days into 2024 and... We're already trying to see what's what's next for someone. You know, it's 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 crazy. It's a crazy, crazy time to be a uh, to be a wrestling fan. You know for sure. But on somewhat of a sadder note, in some sense, uh, Kevin Dunn, former and longtime cameraman of WWE, on the day that we were at World's End, announced he's done. I'm out. Goodbye. Sayonara. I'm done with WWE. I'm out. I will be no more. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk about this because, you know, we both have watched WWE for 10 plus years now of our lives. Why do we think, well, you know, why are we content creators for wrestling? It's because of the WWE. Um, but Kevin Dunn's camera work has definitely been something that you can notice compared to other ones from WCW, ECW, even New Japan and, and, and TNA, even the different angles and the shots and how he really is that front leader when it comes to the camera itself. And I want to want to hear from you, Rich, about like, what are your ideas that is Kevin really leaving WWE to maybe go somewhere else? Or do we think that he's just done completely a brand new, possibly bad camera crew could be coming in to do some crazy shots for the WWE going forward. So what are, what are some of your thoughts with Kevin Dunn leaving WWE in the, in the, in the audio and, and camera field? I mean, it's just kind of proof that WWE is changing before our eyes and it shows that Vince McMahon is truly not in power in a creative sense in WWE because, uh, if Vince McMahon is president, Kevin Dunn was vice president. If this was going to be like a white house analogy, and Kevin Dunn, we've heard, like there have been stories like you could read in John Moxley's book, like uh, he apologized for swearing at a pay-per-view, like he's, he dropped the F-bomb and then he apologized in front of Kevin Dunn. And then he was confronted by uh, Michael Hayes saying, did you apologize? And Mox said, like, yeah, I just apologized like an hour ago. And Michael Hayes said, I don't think that was the right apology that you should give somebody for the push we're trying to give you. So it's one of those things where you hear these stories of him kind of being trepid, like people are trepidatious around him just because like this man is legitimately a reason why 
you you could look good on television or you could look bad on television. So it it is a changing of the guard in that sense of WWE. And do I think he's going to go anywhere? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I think I think he's just going to cash out. Uh, you know, I think uh, he's going to serve his retirement. And are we going to see a change in WWE? Not at first, you know, and I think there were a lot of people in WWE that were trained uh, for his spot. I don't think it's going to be just one person right off the bat. I think it's going to be many people filling many different roles to start off with. And then slowly but surely, you're going to hear people who are going to be uh, Kevin Dunn-esque, whether that's camera shots, you know, people make fun of uh, Kevin Dunn's camera shots for a while, like the AJ Styles Royal Rumble, uh, where he just zoomed in on Roman Reigns' face. And then the Edge's return, Royal Rumble, uh, ironically, both Royal Rumbles, uh, where Edge's first spear was a camera cut to the crowd. You know what I mean? So he, he has those shots on his legacy, unfortunately, along with the camera cuts like every like other second. I think someone timed it out and there was like a like something crazy, like 54 camera cuts in a minute. So that's like average, like a, a camera cut every second. Uh, basically, so it's going to be a dramatic change in WWE, not only for the visual product, but who we see on our television screen, because there have been stories where Kevin Dunn uh, is in in meetings with uh, the creative team, Vince McMahon, Freddie uh, Prince Jr., who was a writer for SmackDown. He tell, told a story about the Hade Vanson, who was supposed to be the uh, son of the Undertaker, or claimed that he was the son of the Undertaker in uh, 2000. 8 2009 that would lead up to a uh, pay-per-view match and uh triple h and kevin dunn made a joke even though they uh freddie prince jr and his team went to vince saying like hey this is our idea vince okayed it and then uh when they saw the promo and uh triple h and uh kevin dunn made jokes about it that's when it was immediately kiboshed and six weeks worth of promos and material went down the drain so there those are just some of the stories that are out there uh, by other people who confirmed it, uh, just a first-hand source about how Kevin Dunn is to work with. I'm sure he's done a lot of positive things. Like Cody even said, the the woe in his entrance was a Kevin Dunn idea. You know, so there's a lot of good things that he's done for the company as well. I don't want to make this like uh, a bashing of Kevin Dunn because he's done a lot of great things like that. That has caught on. So. Right. Again, it's uh, you take the good with the bad, uh, changing with the guard, and I think it's a. Uh, it's not always a uh, bad thing to always have a fresh set of eyes, like uh, when Triple H took over for Vince McMahon, because I think a uh, 50 some odd year old knows what's in tune for uh, the wrestling fans and the people or younger generation at large than a 70 plus year old man. You uh, know? So, you. so it's going to be, uh, so that's kind of my comparison. I think it's like, let him retire, let him do his own thing. I don't yeah. think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going anywhere either. You know, it was very shocking to hear that Kevin Dunn at the time of the of World's End decided to call it quits. And again, you know, he served a long, long time with the WWE, twenty plus years, if not thirty, uh, with WWE, and being the right hand cameraman for, of course, Vince McMahon, and being the chief operator of all of the audio and uh, camera work going forward. So, you know, definitely will be a miss. For the business, but generally speaking, I think it is nice to get a new fresh coat of paint on to a product that is turning almost 40 uh, very soon. And, you know, it, it's 
it's time. Like you said, the changing of the guard, it's time for a new set of eyes, a new set of direction, a new set of stories, a new set of angles that many new fans or returning fans might not be accustomed to, but might actually enjoy than what they were accustomed to prior. And, you know, now with Papa H in the, in the helm and of course everything else going on. Um, yeah, I think this is definitely that next positive move forward, almost like a, a finishing of a story in a sense, which of course gets into our next topic here, which is none other than the rock could be taking Cody Rhodes's WrestleMania spot, meaning that Cody Rhodes will never, ever, ever finish this damn story that he has been set to finish. Now, of course, the title kind of is more of a draw than anything else, but nonetheless, um, we know as of this past Monday that The Rock decided to come in, well, after the, uh, of course, greatest WWE champion, reformer WWE champion, Jinder Mahal, coming and showing up at day one on Monday Night Raw. The Rock came in and laid the SmackDown on him and let everyone know that at the time at San Diego, he might just be sitting at the head of the table instead of the bar. And with that, of course, the internet went wild, as well as all the fans and jabronis around the world, uh, about how Cody could not possibly be finishing the story again. So, Richie, we're going to pass it to you. What was your thoughts on seeing The Rock make his return? Of course, also stating that we've just begun in a Twitter statement as well the past couple of days ago. And um, is Cody Rhodes' story ever going to get finished? Uh, I'll tackle the, the Rock coming back first. Now, usually when WWE advertises a former WWE champion, uh, you know it's going to be somebody bigger than anticipated. I think they did something similar in 2015, 2014, uh, when they announced a former WWE champion was returning, the Miz came out and he was, that was the debut of his Hollywood gimmick. And then Chris Jericho came out afterwards after not being in WWE for uh, a couple months, couple years. And that's what you're going to have. You're going to have that big surprise. The Rock's going to be the big surprise. Uh, him saying uh, he, he wants to sit at the head of the table while he's in San Diego was a nice little wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nudge to uh, the Rock Rowan Reigns match, which everybody has been hyping up, but this is the first time they're acknowledging it on television. And it's going to be very interesting. Uh, do I think Cody Rhodes's uh, journey to WrestleMania falters? I don't think so. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because with The Rock, uh, and if you read uh, his autobiography, uh, Brian Gerwitz's autobiography, there is one problem. There's just one problem with that, and he's basically The Rock's personal writer in uh, The Rock's production company right now. And he said uh, when The Rock came back to face John Cena, The Rock wanted to do something that's never been done before, which was the three-year storyline we saw with uh, John Cena. And so, if The Rock's coming back to face Roman, he wants to he wants to do something that's never been done before. Because he's all about box office. He's all about trying to push the boundaries when it comes to business. And something that could push the boundaries to business that we're not thinking of uh, is the Elimination Chamber. And what I mean by that is the Elimination Chamber is in Australia this year. And I believe the stadium holds 60,000 people. And a lot of people are saying, well, a uh, message or a uh, 
a match as big as that deserves to be on WrestleMania. And I don't disagree. But with The Rock, you've got to think of his outreach. When WWE, you think of their outreach. The first W that was uh, in WWE stood for world at one point. So it's not just about the people in the United States, Canada, uh, who are seeing it in, you know, at a reasonable time. There are other countries, you know, like England, Japan, China, China, everybody. Uh, And they have to stay up to the wee hours of the morning. Look, if it's The Rock and Roman Reigns in Australia for Elimination Chamber, like, chances are you and I, we're probably going to watch it no matter what, just because it's a historic moment. So, like, things like this. And uh, I had a discussion with somebody on uh, TikTok, and they asked, what about the casual fans, you know? I'm like, look, if they're casual fans, they'll probably watch it on the rewatch on Peacock. But you got to think of the casual fans on the other side of the world as well. You know, and try to bolster their business. And the WWE is trying to make every pay-per-view a special main event and or a special event. And we saw a little bit of it last year, you know, with Money in the Bank going to London. I think they announced Money in the Bank's going to uh, Toronto this year. And then there's the uh, the Berlin Bash that's happening later this year. Yep. And then Backlash is in France this year. So they're doing a lot of things to promote WWE as this global dominant wrestling force and what better way to do that than have the rock and roman reigns at elimination chamber and there have been some reports that the australian government uh requested the rock be there now if it's for a match or an appearance we don't know but they specifically requested the rock and there was a rumor that there was like 15 million dollars that they were willing to uh chill out to uh, get the rock you know, mm-hmm. and it's not not just about money for The Rock. You know, he does this because he loves it. He doesn't need to come back, but he does. And I think The Rock versus Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber would be the move. And pivoting towards Cody Rhodes, uh, the reason why I think he's going to finish the story, because this whole year they've been telling, uh, mostly because a lot of Cody's stories kind of have him sitting and waiting in limbo for a little mm-hmm. bit. And you saw it with uh, like the Brock feud. We didn't really get an answer of why Brock attacked Cody Rhodes. Uh, we, maybe maybe we'll find out. You know, I had my own theory on that. But uh, if you saw on in the past, like Cody Rhodes' appearances on SmackDown when he was tag champs with Jey Uso, you had the stare off between Cody and Roman. You don't do that when you're not planning something to happen between those two guys. And right. then a couple of weeks after, you had Cody Rhodes save LA Knight from the bloodline. Now we never got a answer of why Cody Rhodes was on SmackDown. Maybe that will play into the future, you know? So another thing is like, I talk about uh, on my TikTok at retold Richie Mars uh, that Cody Rhodes is the guy, whether people want to admit it or not, he is the guy he's that in that John Cena role. He's in that Roman Reigns role before Roman turned. And you just have to look at the numbers of his merch. He was the highest selling performer of WWE last month. He is doing all the community outreach things. He's doing all the meet and greets. He's doing the, uh, I think he helped fund some of the members of the wrestling club to come to WrestleMania 40. He's signing all the eight by tens. He's signing all the belts. As you're seeing on his Instagram stories, you're seeing him uh, and WWE post him handing out the belts at live events. He was the most, uh, active performer in WWE la- uh, last year. So he is the guy, well, he is WWE's guy who's at least the full timer. 
And that is something WWE hasn't had a universally, a universally liked full-timer of their company. Like you had Roman, you had Cena, who were mixed cheers. Cody, they, they've been pretty consistent with him. I think he actually got more over from losing to Roman than he did going into that match. Yeah. And one of the, one of the comments just came in, but I, I want to, I want to touch upon a couple of things that you said there in your, in your statement, because I want to have a little debate with you as well before we get into our ad and going into AEW stuff and everything. Um, of course it's a fun debate, but I still, I still care for you at the end of the day, whether you're, whether you're on one side or the other. We're Long Islanders. So we're going to debate no matter what. Listen, exactly. Exactly. New York is till we die. You know what I mean? <laughs> New York is till we die. Uh, but listen, I, I think I think that Roman and Rock shouldn't take place either at WrestleMania, only because with the idea or the concept of Cody actually dethroning Roman is the where we're going to debate. But I also think that's wrong for the wrong person to dethrone Roman Reigns at the mm-hmm. time. At least this time. Last year, different story. Yes, Cody deserved it. Now, going into 40, not so much. But we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Excuse me. Roman and Rock at Elimination Chamber, I think, would sell out Australia mm-hmm. in a matter of minutes. But the problem with that is Rhea, being from that home country, is scheduled to main event Elimination Chamber was the initial deal that they made with Australia for Elimination Chamber going into this pay-per-view. So if Rhea doesn't main event, then my question is, of course, the obvious answer is Rock and Roman. But if Rock and Roman go on before her, it's going to be very hard for her to be that number one superstar in her home country. Mm-hmm. So Rock and Roman maybe shouldn't happen at Elimination Chamber. I think they should happen at Rumble. Mm-hmm. Because Rumble already is a big to-do. It's in Florida. Rock's from Florida. You know, Miami. He played football for Miami and stuff. It makes more sense going into Rumble having this bigger moment match than having it at Elimination Chamber with everything that's already been pre-set up. Now, yes, cards are subject to change. Things are subject to change. We have a lot of time before even Rumble and Elimination Chamber, so anything can happen. But to me, it's going to be hard for someone like Rhea who, in my opinion, hasn't had the strongest defense title matches so far as a women's champion to go after the Rock and Roman and retain or lose and be the queen in her home country. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very hard for her. And I think that's another blow for Rhea that she doesn't need at the moment. So having the Rock and Roman at Rumble makes more sense because Roman's already going to be at the Rumble putting the title on the line. Now, I believe it's either a triple threat match or something along the lines of that going into 
Rumble. Randy is supposedly the guy to be going there to possibly dethrone Roman. But instead of having Randy lose, just put The Rock in there instead. Like, it doesn't make sense to have Randy, who just came back at Survivor Series, have all this build going at Roman, like everybody other, every other competitor that Roman has had, mind you, mm-hmm. to evidently lose at a big pay-per-view against Roman. So if The Rock is going to be there, it makes it a little more interesting. And they could play into the whole family and the Samoan heritage and culture mm-hmm. and tribalism and all of that into that story going into the Rumble itself. But if they do it at Elimination Chamber, you're taking away from somebody, in my opinion, that needs this look more than anything right now, especially with everything that's happening to her and the women's division on Raw. But again, that's just my take. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could die on my own hill alone. (laughs) I'm cool with it. I've I've probably (laughs) died there a lot with a lot of crazy choices that I've said. But that's that's my thought. What do you what do you think on that? So I definitely see where you're coming from with Rhea. Uh, the first half of her title reign was almost non-existent. She was just holding the championship just to kind of hold the championship. She had defenses against Selena Vega and Natalia, but there wasn't really a raw women's division that were vying for that championship, if that makes any sense. Now, mm-hmm. the concern of the stipulation that Rhea Ripley has to main event a the elimination chamber. I understand that a lot of people think main event is uh, last in the show, and it should be. But in the WWE terms, main event does not mean last on the show. It right. usually means right. featured match. There was, uh, I forgot what show it was, uh, or PLE it was uh, last year, but they pushed it as three main events. You know, God, so, no. <laughs> so again, it's not like they'd be lying in WWE terms that Rio wouldn't be in the main event. She'd absolutely be in the main event of the show. Would she be the last match if Rock and Roman happened? No. Not happening. But yeah, again, it's one of those things where they could push it as a main event. And as we've seen with these Triple H cards, they're usually five to six matches. So nothing like too terribly long. Uh, each match gets uh, enough time. So Rio will be uh, featured prominently going into the chamber, whether it's the chamber match itself, whether it's a title defense, we don't know. So I do think uh, even though... Uh, the the stipulation of uh, Rhea main eventing Elimination Chamber. It's almost like they could kind of have their cake and eat it too. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's that WWE gray area where it's like, yeah, they're not really right, but it's like, yeah, you know, it it is what it is when it comes to that. Well, what we think main events are and what WWE thinks main events are concerning uh, pushing it to the casual audience. Uh, that's all it is. Like UFC, UFC has a uh, co-main events. You know, your co-main event of the evening, and then they have the main event. You know, so it, it's one of those, uh, like I said, weird gray area things. And with the Rock and Roman at the Rumble, I do understand where you're coming from because both of them have uh, roots in Florida. But unfortunately, with uh, the triple threat match happening on SmackDown on Friday, yep, I think I think uh, it's either where to see. Randy Orton victory, or we might even see a fatal four way because we haven't really seen that in a Roman title defense in a while. So, uh, I don't see the rock and, uh, Roman doing, uh, or going to the rumble. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I worry for Rhea and everything with her unfortunate title reign that she's had. It has not been as impressive as we all hoped it was going to be. And maybe it's just creative. Maybe it's just, you know, bad match quality. Whatever the case is, uh, for me at least, it wasn't what I was expecting this Rhea reign to be. And with Judgment Day as well, it didn't really levitate the Judgment Day to that next level that we were hoping it was going to do. Because, you know, having a leader in such a big faction like the Judgment Day and it being a woman a little differently now and then having it be Rhea being that woman is something that I think fans would have been more excited and erratic about. And then having, you know, JD and now come in and, you know, Finn and Damian be the tag team champions. And of course now senior money in the bank, like all of that gold, all of that glitz and glam Dominic is NXT North American. Like all of that gold around their waist with a leader like Rhea, who's just mowing down the women's division is exciting to see. And something that I thought we were going to get, but right. unfortunately with whatever the reason was, or maybe, that wasn't the case. You know, we had Selena Vega, which was great to have that match in Puerto Rico, her home country. Great match. Not something I'm going to rewatch again and say a great defense. Her and Natalia's three-peat was, that was bad. You know, then that fatal five-way that was thrown together, kind of burying Shayna Baszler. Again, not something I wanted, especially after Shayna just won at SummerSlam against Ronda with her great promo she had a week or two prior. It just it, it just didn't seem like the apples were all falling into the same basket for Rhea. You know, it was opportunities with Raquel that seemed good. Like, that one seemed to be heading in the right direction. But then, of course, I think Raquel got injured. And then whole Liv Morgan and her became tag team champions. Liv got hurt. And it just became a big mess. So now Rhea had her match, match against Maxine Dupree, which I, I don't think that was a match. I'll be honest. That was just a practice, a warm-up, a, a thing that wasn't exciting to see, unfortunately. Um, and then, of course, her and Ivy Nile. Exciting. Could be something there. Her against Zoe Starks could be something there with more work, with more of a story. Though... I would prefer to see Rhea close the show out. You know, my biggest takeaway from last year was that I think they messed up with having the Usos and Kevin and Sammy close instead of Rhea and Charlotte. In my opinion, that match was better than that tag match. Now, the tag match was a feel-good story. It was a great ending. It was a great road to that moment. But for Rhea winning the Rumble, coming in at number one, lasting 29 other women impressive now you give her that big moment that hasn't been happened you know before giving her that main event spot that final match of the evening having her and charlotte put on that clinic that they put on with one another having her reign start at that moment on night one would have been maybe a different outcome to a lot of the matches that we unfortunately gotten and the, the vision that we got with Rhea if things were different. 
Now, we'll go into the debate here with Cody, because now with Cody into this faction in some sense, is he really the right guy, though? Like, is he that? Is he him? Is he mm -hmm. the guy to really dethrone Roman Reigns at, you know, WrestleMania? Is it? Is this that person that we've all can sit here and collectively say, yes, Cody, no matter what, there is nobody better. I would throw Gunther's hat into the name of it. Look what he's done with this IC championship. He has elevated this Intercontinental Championship to a brand new standard, a standard that was held by Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon and great other acrobats like Shelton Benjamin. And, you know, I feel like Cody's not the guy anymore, at least for me, to see dethrone Roman. I'd rather it be Gunther. You know, having Gunther and Imperium make the trade over to SmackDown gives two wins. It gives Gunther a fresh set of talent to work with, building into Roman, Jimmy and Solo being a few of them. It gives Imperium a new set of tag teams to work with again, and maybe enhancing that tag team division of 2024. It also gives us an even balanced match come WrestleMania. That's also something that Roman hasn't had yet. Roman's always had the upper hand because he's had Solo or Jimmy or Jay in his corner helping him out to retain those championship wins. But now having Imperium and Solo and Jimmy in both sets corners for both opponents, you now have made it a very even balanced match around to let these two gladiators go at each other. So what are your what are your th thinks of that? I know you're smiling at us. So I know I'm wrong. Uh, so <laughs> you know what what do, what do you think of all of that? And, and like, what is your take on on maybe Gunther being the one instead of someone like Roman uh, Cody? Well, your idea is very well thought out. You know, uh, faction warfare between uh, the remainders of the Bloodline and Imperium would be very interesting to see because you have these two dominant champions who have been dominant for the past couple of years both record-breaking. That being said, the person who should throne Roman Reigns should idealistically be who they want to be as face of the company currently. And with everything that I laid out earlier with the merchandise numbers, with the uh, amount of appearances wrestling, most appearance wrestling, uh, the PR aspect which Cody Rhodes is phenomenal at for WWE, whether you believe him or not, he is phenomenal at PR and WWE really oh, yeah. likes things with uh, PR. He's a good role model for the children, which is always a plus for when it comes to uh, merchandise and when it comes to reactions. And if you listen to the crowd, no one has been vocally booing him yet. And just how he's portrayed on TV, he's only lost two singles matches in 2023. That's with Roman, which was by interference, and by technical knockout, which was Brock Lesnar with that submission. So Cody's been very well protected, and they don't do that for just anybody. Brock mm -hmm. Lesnar endorsed him. They don't do that for just anybody. So they're building him up for something. And that most likely is going to be him in that spot to dethrone Roman Reigns because he's the only full-time performer that 
is doing everything that a John Cena or a Roman Reigns would do. And because of that, he is the right guy to do it. Now, your Gunther idea, I do like, you know, having these two factions duke it out, these two faction warfares. Uh, I do disagree saying that Gunther doesn't really have a fresh crop of talent on Raw. We still have a lot more people on Raw, and he's given a lot of people who haven't necessarily had the screen time on Raw. These phenomenal matches, look at the Chad Gables, the Chompas, uh, the Miz, he elevated the Miz when Miz was pretty much treated as a joke for the beginning of the year. And now you have people emerging like Kofi and Jimmy who haven't had a shot at Gunther. You know, so there's still stories on Raw for him to tell. And being on Raw really rejuvenated his reign when he was on SmackDown. So I feel like him going from SmackDown to Raw back to Raw to SmackDown, it's just kind of trading someone for the sake of trading somebody. Mm. So... And, and if you want those two dominant factions to collide and you already have Roman with the uh, championship and you have Gun- Gunther with the Intercontinental Championship, I think that muddies the water a little bit too much because you have you have the Intercontinental Championship, which has been revitalized, and rightfully so. That's probably the best thing that Triple H has done since taking over the creative uh, stamp. And then with Roman Reigns, you have the Universal Championship and the head of the table. Because if you remember that Cody Rhodes promo from last year with Roman Reigns, and I think it was either the the SmackDown or two before WrestleMania, and he said to Roman Reigns, Jay is going to leave you. Yep, he called Then Jimmy, then Solo, and then this man becomes an advocate kid again. So we already saw Jay leave. And we've seen Jimmy get on the nerves of the tribal chief and Jimmy, even before he re-enlisted into the bloodline, he wanted to leave, Mm -hmm. you know? So this story is playing out exactly how Cody said it would, you know? And we saw at the end of that Roman kind of dropped his mic and Cody is the only one of Roman's opponents that legitimately got into his head to that degree. Right. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where they got in Cody's head. Cool. They got a victory over uh, some tactics. They lingered on Cody's face when he lost the championship. It was the biggest match of his career. And, you know, the bases were loaded. Two strikes. He got that strikeout. But that strikeout had a mechanism in the baseball. You know what I mean? So... It's it's one of those things where the story now becomes about overcoming Roman and righting a wrong that happened from last year's WrestleMania to yeah. making it his own story rather than I'm doing this for my father. Now it's his own story to avenge his loss. And that's what it's become more of. You know, I think the last time Cody mentioned this is his dad was he won his dad's match at War Games. And the thing is, this year was doing everything Roman did, but better. He beat Brock decisively. He won war games. What's Roman's team won war games? You know what I mean? So, But he actually won his war games where Roman let his uh, cousin pretty much win the war games the year before. So maybe it's just me, but all signs are pointing to Cody being that guy. Yeah, I'm probably the only one on this boat that believes this should be somebody else at this stage of the game. But hey, man, you know, that's, that's why we do these shows. That's why we have these conversations because you know, I love, I love getting into debates and fun debates with everybody about who should be, you know, different and whatnot. But 
of course that uh you know i'm no i'm normally always left on the island alone with all of my my crazy thoughts and whatnot so uh one day one day i'm gonna get one of my thoughts actually out there uh and it'll it'll be true so uh you know we'll 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 have to see but of course this now leads us into our first ad break and only ad break of the show so of course our proud partners over at Nord VPN have a message for everybody here and for everybody watching and listening later on podcasts and streaming services around the globe uh, for you about their amazing service. So let us check them out. Traveling to a restrictive country with internet censorship? If you want to access your country's websites and content you love securely, a VPN is the answer. With just a few clicks, NordVPN changes your virtual location. You can enjoy your favorite websites and services securely, as if you're home. Choose from over 5,000 servers in 60 countries and surf the internet with no restrictions. All righty. Well, that was a fun message uh, from NordVPN. And like everybody else here, and of course, Richie, when he's over and he's trying to find out how he can watch New Japan or some pay-per-view and not have to pay those ridiculous $50 for AEW pay-per-views or whatnot. Maybe NordVPN is that person that can help him out and watch amazing wrestling from across the pond over in Scotland and the UK and a whole bunch of other amazing, amazing places. Of course, all of NordVPN's amazing offers are down below in the description. So definitely go check them out and let them know Dylan from last week in wrestling podcast sent you but of course enough about nordvpn already jesus i've been talking about them for days let's get into something a little bit more fun and exciting we were both at nassau coliseum baby at the greatest island of all the better than disneyland as mjf would say is the magical place called long island new york and we were there at world's end and we have a little bit of a different opinion on how the show went at least from our set of eyes and stuff so Let's get right into it, man. I want to hear what you thought of the show. What were your some of your moments, key moments that you found to be the best part of the show? And uh, you know what, what 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 was bad? You could be honest. What what was bad? What was bad about the show? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Uh, but I will say that uh, this is my first AEW show, so going in blind from an AEW standpoint, uh, it was a snake bitten show from everything that was going on, from injuries to uh, allegations and uh just everything in between and of course the the night was uh for the most part it was a fun it was a fun night you know was every match hitting out of the park not necessarily uh, i think the adam copeland and christian cage match probably was the best match of the night and it shows that age is but a number in wrestling when people are saying oh he's too old oh he's this he can't carry the championship because he's 40 or he's fit. Well, these two guys are 50 and they knocked it out of the freaking park. So I don't want to hear anything like that. I think Chris Statlander and Willow crushed it on the pre-show. Um, Tony Storm's always a delight. I think the uh, main event, you know, it's tough when uh, one your champion has a uh, torn labrum, but he still performed like he had a death wish, that muscle buster on the uh, – ring apron was crazy i think uh a telling sign is uh my buddy he was with me and the match uh the continental, continental classic match they only did the uh one arm uh spot where yep. 
that he was fading, and then he just rose it back up. And then with uh, the main event, they did the classic three times, and he asked me, why is it why, why is that different here? And I'm just like, look, AEW runs on a different psychology. I, I'll link it to like a New Japan kind of uh, fusion right. with WWE. So things aren't going to make sense, really. Uh, I was disappointed that I didn't see Keith Lee. Uh, Swerve is probably the most over act in the company right now. Amazing. Uh, I, I I got some flack with this where, where people were like, oh, why did Dustin Rhodes... Uh, compete when he got a cinder block crushed in his knee i'm like yeah i see your point you know but this match was more of a showcase for swerve you know and show he's like more sadistic than ever you know so again would i prefer it if he did that after the match absolutely it would make more uh narrative sense but again i thought it was fine considering that AEW kind of runs on a different psychology uh overall fun night uh the devil reveal i kind of expected it i thought it was fine uh, I didn't think it was overly like wrong or bad. Uh, yeah. I thought Adam Cole was the right choice. Uh, and also uh, how he was revealed. I heard some people push it back on how he was revealed. I thought it was fine. I thought it was great. Uh, to be honest, I thought that was like the high point of the uh-huh. whole devil story. Uh, just because, uh, again, you have this guy saying, no, hit me instead, hit me instead. And then they turn, the lights are out, and you're expecting the devil to appear on the Titan Tron. And then it appears that the very chair that was going to hit Adam Cole, he's sitting on it, and he's like just plotting. And then you see that reality kind of set in that Adam Cole is the devil. He had the devil mask. I know some people uh, preferred like Adam Cole to be wearing the devil mask. Uh, I didn't think that was very ne- necessary because the true devil is someone that you wouldn't expect. And with an MJF size, Adam Cole is that guy you never expect because the real devil mask isn't the devil mask itself. It is Adam Cole's face because he is the devil incarnate himself in storyline. So yeah, I thought it was a fine show. Uh, What would you rate it out of five? Out of five? Yeah. Uh, Three, two and a half, two and a half, three. Sorry, generous. Sorry, kind of you. It's very kind. I give it a two. Solid really? two. Yeah. I was very disappointed. Um, Chris Statlander, Willow, amazing. Uh, there's there's nothing more to be said about that, but just awesome, awesome women's wrestling. I thought that was great. 20-man battle royale, fun, cool, exciting. Hook and um, Yuta had the weakest hardcore match FTW rules I've ever seen in a very long time. I was really upset that they didn't go a little bit more like Christian and edge did. I understand what you're saying. uh, And that's the trouble when you have two similar match types on the same show, you don't want to overdo the one that's going to be the one people were more interested in or more invested in. So they were kind of booked into a corner in, and I don't think, uh, again, I'm I, I'm just speculating. Uh, I think an ROH pure rules match would have been a more better, a uh, more sufficed like yeah. rule set. Just because I would really like that. Instead. It's a little different, but who knows if uh, if they want hook the hook character to be a part of that kind of rule set, uh, you know. And I think that's probably where the direction is going to happen uh, shortly after. Yeah. So, 
it's just another thing where they're keeping Hook strong, and Hook is one of their homegrown guys, and they want yep. to win in a Long Island uh, arena. So, yeah, that was pretty yeah. much uh, their thought process, in my opinion. But I'm sorry. No, no, no. Trust me. It's okay. <laughs> Sometimes I need to shut up. Uh, you can ask the fans. They know. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, that is that is a very good point. I never really thought of it that way either. But I, I think that the pure match would have worked out a lot better because, mm-hmm. in a way, it would have made Hook more valuable. You know, now having Hook, who's only really had FTW-style matches, base single matches, that's really it. He's, he's, he's very one dimensional in, the, in, in that aspect of his ring performance having him now go out of his way to learn the pure rules side of wrestling the different culture that wrestling has evolved into throughout many many years that this style can also be adapted with someone as rugged tug as him and it would have almost played into his advantage with wrestling yuda because Yuta has been so used to doing matches in that style. So he's going into it thinking, you know, again, speculation, but him going in there thinking like this kid's just going to use all of his rope breaks immediately. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get him right on there. He's not going to get me. But if hook is trained and is ready and is studied and is ready to go for a match like this, then it makes the ball in the court of both men to see who's going to slam dunk first. Mm -hmm. And I think hook makes that transition over would be actually very good for his character and his in-ring ability and awareness, because Mm -hmm. now you can utilize him and not just FTW rules matches. You could bring him over to ring of honor and do some very cool, interesting match styles with him over there with their bunch of wrestlers that are just hanging out and doing one one-off matches and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So that's actually a bad idea bringing the pure style into it because I didn't think of it. So I'm definitely giving you props on that one. That was very good. Uh, someone's paying attention. Uh, yes. So you know, but yeah, I, I think I think that would have been <clears throat> definitely a new a new weapon in his arsenal would have would have been nice as well. Um, Tony Storm's match was amazing. You know, of course we all knew she was going to win, but. Just timeless Tony Storm coming out with Luther. You, you, you got to love it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just you just got to love it. Mariah May, awesome. Loved it. Um, I actually missed the match because I was online trying to get food at this time, thinking <laughs> I could try to get into the match during it starting. And what's crazy, I don't know if you ran into this problem, but when Tony Storm was wrestling, I forgot the time, but whatever Tony Storm was wrestling, both sets of lines was out of water, Gatorade, beer, soda, chips, candy, sausage and peppers, hot dogs, pretzels, everything. They had no food, no water, no nothing on both sets of lines. And I'm like, what? The f-? National Coliseum ran out of food because they didn't, I guess, think this many people were going to be there. When we got online to get into the show, there was about 10 to 15 tickets left to completely sell out the arena. And mm-hmm. I think there was about maybe five, six left when the mat, when the show actually started. Mm-hmm. Like this, the arena was sold out. This mm-hmm. was a sold out show. And that's great. It's good for AEW. But 
the concession stands were prepared for, for none of us there, my guy. So uh, f- funny things on two accounts for the concessions thing. Uh, my buddy that w- was with me, he's like, I'm going to get some water. Uh, I'll, I'll, do you want one? I'm like, yeah, sure. And that started at the beginning of the uh, Hook Yuta match because he didn't want to miss the beginning of the pay-per-view. Right. He was online until the ending of the eight-man tag, the first eight-man tag yep. that was on that night. And he comes back and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. And I was yeah. just laughing. And uh, with the arena question, uh, there's uh, a buddy I do on my podcast uh, with uh, his name, Seth. He comes on occasionally. And uh, I, to put it lightly, he's not AEW's biggest fan. Uh, <laughs> and he will send me pictures because you know i like aw fine he will send me pictures of the you know the Absolutely. half out half out arenas like wwe never had that before you know like especially recently you know what i mean i love so it. so uh he'll send me that and he's like send me a pic of the arena i'm just like it's basically sold out he's like he's like show me so i took four pictures of the arena and i posted the devil reveal on my tiktok and yeah, i saw that and one of the comics was all empty wrestling. And I just said, <laughs> well, I'm like, well, actually, I'm in the building. And it I'm was in completely the full. it's like it's completely full. But so you're you have those people who just don't like AEW for AEW. Yeah. And that's fine. You're entitled fine. to your opinion. But to like purposely put out a narrative that's not necessarily true, at least for that night. Like that's again, that's just it is what it is, you know, wild. Yeah, dude, it was yeah, it was wild, a wild, wild night. But as the match continues on and stuff like that, yeah, we we just uh, there was a there was two fights that broke out in my section. Oh, really? Uh, a little child vomited all over the <laughs> stairs. Okay, uh, and then Edge came where he took the jump off mm-hmm. in my section. I was two to four seats away from Edge. So as I'm trying to maneuver through this crowd of people, I'm like slightly got my fingers on his fucking shoulder. And he was like, thanks. And he just like jumps off. And I was like, I fucking touched edge. I touched edge. Yeah, I was I was on the uh, other side. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. It was so it was so fucking crazy. And still a two star show, man. Yeah. No, you know, my 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 biggest thing is the reveal. My biggest thing is the reveal that last match. Um you know, I I do have a little bit of a problem with Luchasaurus giving that contract to Christian, though. Yes, kill it's kill switch. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, Christian. Uh, you know, it's cool, it's great, it's fun. It definitely plays into that Christian Cage lore and yeah. evilness that he is, the patriarchy. My, my friend and I, we is. called it after the battle royal happened. Because it's like a TNT title shot anytime, any place. And I'm just like, like, what if Luchasaurus did this uh, well, to Christian Cage? And my, my friend, he's like, what if you did it to Edge? I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's good. And then uh, I'm like, that's even better. And then, <laughs> uh, well, again, saw two TNT title changes and uh, saw an AEW title change. So I was content. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, and, and again, I'm not upset that MJF lost. Elbow, shoulder, bad hip. He's on painkillers. I read the the Players Tribune letter that he wrote out. Like he's in pain. He needs the mm-hmm. rest. He needs to go home. I, I I could officially say I watched him win the AW Championship at at Full Gear 2022, and I watched him lose it at Worlds and Long Island 2023. Mm-hmm. So I definitely am happy I was a part of that reign, 
and was there to watch the the incline and decline of a great champion. But my biggest takeaway, honestly, that makes the show a two for me is the match and the reveal. The match itself, I thought, was very short, very, you know, again, it could play in the fact that he's injured, but the way the ref kind of called the match itself with the whole hand, I thought he was more like, uh-oh, I don't know what to do here, just ring the bell and making it very short, I thought was very poor. I felt like that could have went on for another five minutes and had a better ending. Even though Max was losing, I think that they still could have gave that match an extra five at most, six tops, and had a different ending, even if the ending was still going to be the camel clutch done, you know, and, and we'll call it a day. I, I just think that the way that that ended was very poor tasting because it made MJ lo MJF look weak, in my opinion, even though, yeah, we know he's injured, but it kind of made him, in my eyes, look a little weak as a champion at the end, and that I don't think he wanted. Um, and the execution of the reveal, mm -hmm. I thought it was bad. Like, my, my take is this, and I, I want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Having Adam Cole come out prior to the match starting, yeah, great pop, but we all knew it was him. I mean, I, I didn't. I thought there was a couple other people, but at the end. Were you one of the guys who thought it was Jungle Boy? Yes, I was one of the guys who thought it was Jungle Boy. <laughs> and I was saying it proud at, at World's yeah. End. Uh, and, um, you know, Adam Cole coming out, stepping on the wrong foot, trying to climb the ring, realizing that he's using the, the good, the bad foot when it's supposed to be bad as a good foot. I was like, oh, that's so telling. And then kind of scrummaging through. You kind of see him lift up the mask in a sense in his coat collar when he's trying to grab the TNT ring. And I'm like, okay, that's bad. That's not really looking good. And then, of course, the execution of this, him sitting in the chair and silence. That, I think, is the biggest portion of the poor execution was the silence. Because as we sat there, you heard nothing. Like you heard MJF a little bit, but you didn't hear much. You didn't hear Adam say anything. Even after it was done, you didn't hear like nothing. And I thought that was definitely poor. Again, I, again, I could be my only one on the Island thinking this way, but mm. I thought that the way that they executed the devil could hurt them with this new faction, the Undisputed Era, Undisputed Kingdom mm -hmm. thing that they're doing in the long run. So I want to hear from you. What do you, what did you think? And and do you do you think I'm just crazy and that I'm probably totally wrong on on all of that as well? Uh no, no, not absolutely. I definitely see where you're coming from with the uh, whole reveal thing. And uh, again, the the crowd just didn't really know how to react to it. In a, in a sense, I think uh, th this is if I was uh, if they said, Richie, how would you do the finish to the devil storyline? I'm like, well, I would have done this. I would have combined the ending to dynamite with the ending we got at uh, uh, World's End. You know, uh, I would go into the pay-per-view MJF Samoa Joe. They're still having like, you know, still each other's back. You have the same exact match. Then you have the devil's men appear when the ref is down. Because I think that's what everyone was kind of anticipating was when the ref was down, 
you were going to see like the devil's henchmen, you know, mm -hmm. and then you have like MGF Samoa Joe go back to back. And then you see the devil on screen, say doing the same pleasure doing business with, with you. Joe gets the chair, uh, makes Max pass out. Then you do the devil reveal same exact way. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think they try to space it out a little bit too long. I know that was one of the big critiques of uh, mm -hmm. the devil storyline and went on a little bit too long. Yeah. And like, the thing is, it's like, like I, I like, it was fine in my opinion. You know, there was somebody who said in my comics, like it shouldn't be fine, you know, to a epic story like this, you need like, uh, you know, a, like a jaw dropping reveal. I'm just like, I watched every single like Marvel movie and I knew exactly how each one of them was going to end. And I was entertained throughout the whole thing, you know? So it's one of those things where if the, the journey wasn't really keeping you entertaining. And I said this in a video where the whodunit storylines in wrestling, whether it's the, it's me, Austin, or it's like video. Austin, like getting hit by a car, you know, it's really tough to pull out because there's a portion of the fans who are like, okay, if this isn't the person, then it's a bad twist. It's a bad uh, storyline, you know, and people will give it a chance. And sometimes the most predictable route is the safest option. This was the safest option where AW's reputation right now isn't exactly known for having like safe options or reliable options. So again, like I definitely see where you're coming from, but uh, I was fine with it. Didn't really uh, affect me. Like I didn't see it as like a positive or negative uh i saw mm -hmm. it as a slight positive because hey something actually paid off in AEW's favor yeah i mean again you know the biggest takeaways positive for me i know i have to be positive here a little bit after i just bashed uh one of my one of my my favorite companies for sure um they sold out the place it, all, overall we had some really great matches those eight man tag team matches gold and blue team amazing daniel garcia picking up that win Definitely is going to be skyrocketing him to that next level. I'm very excited to see Daniel Garcia. That's actually the second time that I've seen Daniel Garcia now. I saw him at House of Glory. I met him. He was a really great guy. I've met Swerve before this as well. I met him at House of Glory when he was at uh, Darkest Hour and Prince Nana, which was great. I have a great story to tell about that uh, interaction with, with Prince Nana and Swerve. Amazing. Prince Nana is probably the funniest human being on the face of this planet by far by far um but yeah it was just really really fun to see them wrestle again because i asked swerve when uh i saw him i was like oh you know world's end's coming up and you know you're gonna you're gonna be there he's like yeah yeah i think i'm gonna be there i'm like oh you better because i mean like you know i'm fucking rooting for you in this damn league here all right yeah. like if you're not with it then what the fuck am i watching for so uh you know but he was very kind yeah. very nice guy but yeah again you know I, I just thought that Samoa Joe wasn't the right choice, especially with the devil and, and the storyline with that and how they executed the devil reveal was very poor. And I'll be honest, I don't know if you noticed it, but while we were there, a lot of people were leaving before them, like the devil, like during the devil reveal, a lot of them were leaving during Christian cages thing. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like, this is going to be an empty show for fucking MJF and all that. But you know, it was just, um, it, yeah. I, I, I wish, I wish they revealed it differently. Maybe the way that you were saying reveal would have been better. Maybe if they had them speak 
would have been better. You know, at least Adam. Like, if Adam said something, if Adam said something that just slicked his hair back and, you know, let MGF come up and then go at him and then fucking Roderick with the fucking knee to the jaw and everything, like, okay, like, I get it, but, like, where is Adam saying something of substance now that he has Max pinned down, nowhere to go, in the mm-hmm. ring, where are we going with this? Like, what is that next move than just the photos of him doing this, smiling over Max's body? Like, I, I just didn't see the the point I, of all of that. So, I mean, it's more of a hook to for the television show. You know what I mean? Of course. And I think so that's another like, point of it as well. So it's like, that's my takeaway from it. It's just like, uh, you get the yeah. shocking reveal, then you get the reason why <laughs> on the television show. So, again, yeah. that that's how I pictured it and saw it. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's fun going to World's End. I wish we met each other at World's End and everything. I know we were very busy trying yeah. to be celebrities and stuff in a in Long Island and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, no, yeah, it was very yeah yeah. Uh, but uh, no, very fun, very nice uh, time and everything. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people I got I got to know besides yourself was there. I was trying to link up with. I met a couple of cool people and and everything. But generally speaking, I was with like a bunch of my boys and stuff, and mm-hmm. it was it was a great time. It was really really a great great time, and we were all. Yeah. Very happy that we yeah. got to go and stuff like that. The experience overall, five out of five. You know, the yeah. the, the people fighting in the stands, the girl vomiting, <laughs> no food. True New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can only get it in New York, baby. No a five star, two star experience. A five star, two star experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But someone unfortunately was very upset about their experience and decided to leave AEW due to some things that happened previously. And that is Matt Jackson's wife upset about the NDA situation via punk. Now, a lot of what happened, of course, the brawl out all out situation between the bucks and the elites against punk and a still has stemmed from this NDA that now, um, Matt Jackson's wife is talking about and saying that she's felt that the Bucks weren't really defended. Matt wasn't really Mm -hmm. defended properly in this situation. And because of that poor defense from AEW, she decided to leave. Mm -hmm. And it seems that she's not as thrilled with AEW going forward as, of course, Matt and Nick are. Again, you know, Nick and Matt have been on television. They've kind of been off television a little bit now uh, since certain things happened with the Golden Jets with, uh, of course, Jericho and Kenny Omega. Um, but again, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, people upset on both sides with this whole NDA situation. Now, of course, not being allowed to talk about what happened uh, in detail, what happened in that backstage area, even though. A lot of us know what happened due to a lot of linked information prior to the NDA with Punk, Ace Steel, of course, uh, Kenny and the Bucks. And, you know, of course, the Bucks taking shots at Kenny, uh, at, at Punk, and Punk taking shots at Bucks on WWE, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There's still foul play being told. But mm-hmm. I want to hear from you when it comes to NDAs like this, when it comes to situations in business where one party maybe isn't defended as well as maybe the other party is. Do you feel that what Mrs. Jackson 
has been feeling and has been saying about that lack of defense for the Jacksons themselves, the Bucks, is in the right? Or maybe is this something that, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the bad guy here, but maybe something that she shouldn't really get herself involved with due to the fact that it really only concerns the situation and all the parties that were truly involved. I mean, she's married to one of the people who are directly involved in. Correct. Uh, correct. You know, so it, it, she's going to feel some certain uh, sort of way about it. Uh, yeah. And th was this Melter that reported like this happening? No, it wasn't. It wasn't just him. It was yeah. him and um, wrestling corp yeah. and a, a couple other other. But, but I, uh, I, I, be I believe the quote was uh, directed by uh, Meltzer about it. Yes. 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 Yeah. 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 So. So. Uh, yeah, we know again, we know very it, Dave Meltzer it, it, very well. <laughs> yeah, again, it's it's one of those things where, and, and this is the the problem with the, uh, uh, I guess you call them dirt sheet, uh, mm -hmm. people and stuff because it's like, it, and and I believe we're going to probably talk about a certain somebody in a bit when it concerns yes, that, uh, and it, it's one of those things where it's like it all becomes he said she said and Correct. there's no. Again, I went to a school for mass communication and journalism, so it really does irk me when stories happen like this, and it's a bunch of he said, she said, and there's no, uh, again, in your your learn, get three sources to confirm your story, and yeah. we don't, in the wrestling business, there's none of that, I guess, unless it's mm -hmm. uh, a very rare, rare circumstance, whether it's a... Uh, um, I think PW Insider with my, Mike Johnson is probably the most like reliable when it comes to that, uh, yeah. possibly, uh, because I and uh, other pe people. Uh, I know Sean Rossap has a good reputation as well, uh, but again, again, it's just one of those things where there there's a difference between speculation and people posting uh, their speculation and actual information, and. It, like if she's upset i'm not surprised i heard like i have seen people criticizing uh matt jackson's wife uh about her running of the uh merchandising department and it not being as uh well as it should be for a major company uh you know so again maybe it's a case of her to leave maybe they gave her another offer and if she is disappointed because tony khan really did handle the whole thing poorly Yes. on uh, both sides obviously since punk is now with wwe and he didn't really do anything to have the bucks really put trust in their own company you yep. know what i mean and again we we're not gonna know uh what happened yeah uh, with uh brawl out you know and i made peace with it <laughs> you know i don't really yeah. care at this point you know it's been over a year and of course you have uh what we're going to talk about, uh, I'm sure, with Jericho and him bringing up Brawl Out yeah. on Twitter. And that started the whole thing with him and uh, with Matt Jackson being upset about NDAs. Yeah, like I'd be upset, you know, if uh, basically there's multiple narratives out there and there's no clear cut narrative that you could do to clear your husband's name if he's innocent. Yeah. Uh, not saying that he did anything, but it's like you could see how certain narratives are spinning and then at, come out of control as we're probably going to talk about soon. Yeah, no, with 100% and, and exactly that, you know, like I read uh, from a couple different wrestling sites and stuff like that. Of course, one of them being with Dave Meltzer and whatnot about how she felt very upset about the fact that they were 
handled uh, poorly during out the whole entire brawlout situation, which probably is true. And, you know, we saw it as fans of the product. Not really many people were handled with care during this whole situation. You know, there was a lot of things that came out from that report saying that people were bitten and people had chairs thrown at them and just right. wild, wild, wild things. And it felt like every single day a new set of stories came out because of this. And it was the biggest topic to talk about for almost a month in some aspect. But Tony, you know, being one of the key founders with the Bucks and Kenny and, of course, Cody and Brandy, not really protecting his people was a key thing in 2023 that not only came up once, but came up a few times down the road, as we all know, you know, and I think that, you know, now that he has like a nice creative team and he has, you know, more of writers and he has more of a team behind him, maybe these things, if they were to come about in the near future, he now can handle it with a lot more care, a little bit more TLC than he did. You know, I know he's fans of punk and I know he's fans of this and that, but at the end of the day, if your guys, the ones that you started this thing with, are not handled properly during all of this, don't expect these type of situations or these stories to start coming out where the the wives or the significant others of the wrestler is upset with how the NDA is set, how these things have been handled, how these things are going to be treated going forward. I don't blame her. I don't. If I had, if I was married to a superstar in the in the wrestling business and they were handled poorly, then yeah, I'm going to speak out about it. I am going to say something about it. And you know, her with the whole merchandise thing, that's again a lot of the same thing of whole he said, she said, and it sucks because there's I wish there was more clear-cut evidence, more of an actual tangible something that you could see and feel and really read upon and feel secure about talking about than just a lot of these, he said, she said articles and lies at some times and made up stories and fair and fairy tales that a lot of people make up. And that goes into exactly like you said, our next topic here with whole Chris Jericho. Now, of course, day of worlds and the day that we got to be on the greatest Island of islands, Long Island, New York and Nassau Coliseum Hours before the show, we got news going crazy on Twitter about Chris Jericho and this sexual assault allegations on, um, I believe her name is Kylie Red. Kylie, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say her name just because I'm not sure if she wants her name out there. Yeah, that. that's uh, that's a better idea. Thank you, you know, for that. you know, uh, I, I will say this because uh, Nick Hausman who. Uh, he didn't let me make the things perfectly because it's a very complicated situation. Uh, I'm yeah. going to read the, the quote that was yeah, go right ahead. put around. Uh, there are issues with Chris behind the scenes where there are a lot of people who have been hurt by Chris and his actions. It's very uncomfortable to me to see him lauded as often as he is with only the focus on that, because I do think there's a lot of questionable stories about Chris that will find their way out over time when people are ready to tell those stories. That will cast him in a very different light. Look, 
Harvey Weinstein won a lot of Oscars. Harvey Weinstein produced a lot of popular films. Harvey Weinstein is now in jail. I'm not saying that is going to happen to Chris, but the narrative can quickly turn if you're hiding a lot of skeletons. So that so that video comes out and a lot of things happen. And then somebody was trying to piece together because when you say Chris Jericho and that other guy that I just mentioned, you put a point A and point B. Mm-hmm. He didn't put the in-between. He didn't connect them. So technically, he was making a comparison of people in power. Right. Now, he was very irresponsible doing it, in my opinion. Yeah. If he's a reporter or journalist, you don't really do that when, uh, unless you have significant proof. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a story that somebody posted uh, or a Twitter. This was in June 20, uh, June 22nd, 2020, with somebody saying, sometimes I stop and wonder how many young women out there are wondering if it's safe to post about Chris Jericho yet. So that happens. And uh, the person, the alleged victim, gave it a heart emoji. Nick Hausman then reposted it on Inst- uh, or X with his own heart emoji, fueling, fueling the fire towards yeah. uh, these allegations. The person that made this tweet responded to this person saying, and she said, no, I was just speculating and probably shouldn't have posted that. Emotions were very high at the time, and there were so many rumors. And this happened at 10.23 a.m. the day of World's End. So 12.30. Yep. Uh, 2023. So the person who made that message that was going around that Kylie Ray Harded uh, said she shouldn't have posted that. Yeah. And rumors were happening at the time. Now, that doesn't mean something did not happen between the alleged victim and Chris Jericho. Correct. Uh, but... When speculation comes out and even after the fact with Nick Hausman, he was going on Twitter um, saying Tony's failing about responding to these allegations. But again, when the alleged victim left the, the company of AW and uh, impact and other stuff, she said uh, that why she left was because of her own uh, struggles. You know, I'll leave it at that. I don't think uh, uh, she wants to appreciate it. I just want her to uh, be respected in that regard. And then Nick Hausman went on to say a couple days later. Let's go on here. Sorry. Oh, you good? I appreciate the, you know, correct knowledge being told. Yeah. And then uh, Nick Hausman went on his podcast, uh, Rumors and Innuendo, and this is the clip. He said, a clip from our show went somewhat viral shortly after we recorded talking about the Chris Jericho situation. I want to be very clear that my opinion of Chris are my opinions of Chris. I've heard a lot of things over the years. I don't personally like Chris Jericho. That's very important later. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. I think there's a lot of issues there. There are people that that when issues come to the surface it can take away from the legacy and they've cre- that they've created and that is just a concern that i have for chris and that is all i ever meant by my comments continued 
I know there have been a lot of people who were upset with my NDA tweet and how it came about. I just want to let everybody know that it wasn't just like some jab I was going to take at Jericho. I knew full well that it was probably going to hit in some way. I didn't know it was going to hit near as hard as we saw it hit. I'm just tired watching Chris bully people around and be, you know, very abrasive, especially publicly like that. I didn't appreciate some of the things he said about H. Steele's wife, Lucy, in some of his tweets. I was just tired of it. And that all it was behind it. It wasn't me throwing it out there to throw it out there. And you're welcome to be upset or whatever you want. From my perspective, that's all this was. So a little bit to unpack there. Yeah, a lot, a lot yeah. to unpack. Because, you know, my my takeaway from this, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna tread the water as lightly as I can because this is a very serious topic that doesn't happen to just the big name celebrities and the well-known powers that be. It happens to regular people as well. Mm -hmm. And for those people that have to go and deal with situations like this, I feel for. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how hard it is to come out if something like this is put out there and be in the crosshairs of any type of situation that circulates around this. Now with the gentleman who did state that he is not a fan of Chris Jericho. I believe that with all of the connecting of the dots, it seems like, there was maybe a jab that was thrown. Maybe it wasn't the NDA per se, mm -hmm. but the jab of hate or not hate, but the jab of disliking the person was definitely thrown with unfortunately information that we all should be well aware of in case these allegations are true mm -hmm. um, to be informed about. So for me, it seems more that he is just not a fan of Chris Jericho. And that because of that, maybe information that circulates around Chris Jericho in a negative as uh, uh, negative light is more of his, uh, is very much something he rather hear about mm -hmm. than what he positively can do for the wrestling business, so on and so forth. So that's my kind of take from it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want to hear from you. So uh, I have an analogy and okay. to say that uh, Nick House, people are saying he backtracked. Technically, he did not backtrack. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you an analogy what I think happened. Uh, imagine you're going into a middle of a forest. You have a okay. tank of gasoline. You have matches. Okay. You leave the tank of gasoline and matches by themselves. You leave the forest. Somebody else starts the fire. You don't do anything to put out the fire. People come and they say, what started the fire? The gasoline and the matches. You go to the person. Did you drop? The, did you start the fire? Technically, I didn't. But I put the ingredients there. Mm -hmm. to and I didn't do start one. And I didn't do really anything, anything to uh, stop the fire that was happening. Uh, right. Because he he had plenty of opportunities to say what he meant in the second round of the second round of quote that right. I just read, and wh whether 
like again, I'm not going to say whether or not he he was intending to hurt uh, Jericho, uh, but I will say at best it was irresponsible. Yes, as a reporter, uh, if uh, the allegations turn out to be true, uh, you know, uh, you don't say anything with that severity or allow people to take something and run with it. If you saw something that was heading in one direction and you're not doing anything to necessarily uh, stop it, then you either are trying to allow a narrative to be out there. And then when he came to clarify it on his podcast and he said uh, in a tweet, I didn't uh, backtrack anything. You're welcome to listen to the podcast about it. That automatically tells to me that you're doing this to gain clout on your podcast. Right. And that is not, that is not the way it seems like he, and this is what I do have a like a issue with when it comes to uh, journalism and wrestling, because Mm -hmm. if a normal journalist did this, their credentials would have been taken away bar none. Uh, But the thing is, he used it as whether he intended it or not a promotion for a podcast Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when this is a serious situation. Very. And again, at best he was irresponsible and incompetent. Right. About it. Uh, That may be a little strong, but it's just the truth because again, he didn't again, like I said, he didn't backtrack his words, Uh, but the statement one that he did with the first podcast and the second podcast with statement two, he then clarified it's his own opinion of Chris and that he doesn't like Chris. Right. And as a journalist, you can't show bias like that. Right. And like, again, the, the quote who fancies themselves a journalist. And that was the quote directed at uh, this guy. And again, if Again, I'm not even a journalist, and I know that you can't just kind of fan the like. I can't even say he fanned the flames because technically, like he let other people just kind of like interpret what he did, but he didn't do anything to say, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not gonna stop." stop, You know, like he said what he said, and then he clarified it was his opinion. But again, I find it kind of odd that he waited till after the World's End show. Um, I did too. That, that, and that it's just odd. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know these are very serious allegations, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know this man has a family, mm-hmm. his children. You know he's a very uh, well respected in the mm-hmm. wrestling business and community. You know as well as in the music industry as well. And if something like this is true, mm-hmm. if what he is saying happened Mm -hmm. then you know there needs to be some type of punishment dealt Mm -hmm. correctly from not only aew Mm -hmm. but from other heads of other things that he's involved with absolutely yeah and if jericho is found guilty Mm -hmm. he should not be working in wrestling period anymore correct he should not be doing music anymore he should be shunned Mm -hmm. from 
any type of avenue that he mm-hmm. would make money from, that he's been making money from, mm-hmm. because of these horrific um, allegations. I, I will say, uh, I don't know much about, uh, I know some. Uh, I know NDAs can't cover anything illegal. Uh, Correct. So, I believe, uh, I believe, yeah. So, again, the only people who, like, if there was an interaction between uh, Chris Jericho and this individual that mm-hmm. was a uh, uh, tied to an NDA, uh, we wouldn't know about it unless there was an statement or accusation made and so far we haven't had that yet the only thing we know is a heart emoji which isn't really going to tell us much information and if that person is ready to talk then they'll talk and which leads to another thing uh during uh uh the podcast where uh nick clarified his uh statement he went on and said uh he wasn't going to name the individual uh yeah out of out of concern and safety uh, I'm not sure if he did this on purpose. Uh, he said the crowd was chanting NDA, and then he actually did say the person's name within that podcast. So I'm not sure if that's an editing faux pas right. or be- the last version I watched uh, earlier today still had that on there. Yeah. So to me, it's just like it was just kind of careless on his part yeah you know there, I, there's no and there's nobody who looks good in this situation because uh jericho kind of started it you know on christmas he was tweeting uh stephen p new and you know talking about brawl out again something that is inconsequential at this time that we'll never know about because of the ndas involved and there correct. was no nothing to gain from it there was nothing uh to, to sort out it was just one of those things where it's like people were like bumping chests online and then uh, Hausman uh, inserted himself. And as a journalist, you should not do that. Um, you can report on it, but you shouldn't be directly involved in it. And this right. is what happens uh, with, with this situation for better, or for worse. So no one c- comes out looking good here at all. And it's an unfortunate situation. And like, there's nothing uh, more to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, hopefully we can all move past this and especially the person involved um, can move forward and we can find some type of clarity and some positivity out of this Mm -hmm. instead of all this negative uh, light that has unfortunately been shared upon the wrestling community. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, especially during World's End as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, 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 very bad, very bad news and uh, something hopefully we see some positive things come uh, about it in the near future. But enough of all of that craziness. Let's right. get into the fun portion of the podcast again, right? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we, 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 we dealt now with all the toe-stepping uh, toe uh, yeah. topics. Now let's let's get into the fun stuff with the fun topic of the night, my guy. Rumble season is upon us. We are in the month that it happens. Of course, we're about three weeks away from the Royal Rumble, and I figured it'd be fun to have us Two apiece, mm-hmm. two for the men, two for the women. Who do we want to see at the Rumble make a debut or come back? So we'll start mm-hmm. with you. You're the guest. Two mm-hmm. men, two women. Who do you got? Uh, two of the men I have are uh, Ken Shamrock. Ooh, good one. And uh, I was in between a couple, like maybe someone from NXT, but I'm like, yeah, hey, let me go outside the box. And uh, so I chose Eric Rowan 
Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And for, for the women, I have uh, Naomi. And right. I have Eve Torres. Eve Torres. You got to remind me about her. So she was the Divas champion in 2012, 2011. She was an assistant to John Laurinaitis at the time. Yes. Okay. Yep, okay. Yep. Uh, it was between her and Caitlin, if you remember Caitlin. I do remember Caitlin. It's funny. Yes. I remember Caitlin, but I don't remember Eve. Yeah. Until so, you uh, say John Laurinaitis. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. That's so, I I, so I think it'd be a fun little callback, you know, from that Divas era, even though it's not remembered fondly. You know, there were still some stars from that era that are. Yeah great uh yeah no i like those picks those are those are really good ones um i had um x-pac because i saw it on the list and i thought that'd be really cool mm-hmm. to kind of kind of see x-pac back in the men's one as well um i you know listen long, coming from long island i would love to see mcfoley <laughs> come in there again but i know with his back his hip his legs his toe like everything about the poor man is hurt and broken <laughs> and 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 shambles so he's, he's got like he's... that uh spongebob mean every morning i break my legs yeah and i break my arms <laughs> yeah he's just uh tied up in a cast in a in a t-pose every day yeah. <laughs> um but boogeyman was the other one that Ooh. I would like to see come <laughs> back for just a brief moment. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, that would be really fun for the women. I also had Naomi. I thought I would be the mm-hmm. only one, but Naomi has been very hot lately on Twitter mm-hmm. with a lot of speculations about where could she could be going. Um, but the other one I had as well was Beth Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Maybe we see her return. We saw her a little bit over, of course, when Edge was still around. Maybe she's still with WWE. Of course, a lot of us were chanting out Beth Phoenix during World's End with the Edge and Christian match to mm. take out the Denny Hostess, as Christian calls uh, Nick Wayne's mother uh, mm-hmm. and everything. But uh, yeah, so that's that's my two. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we see something of the Royal Rumble and, and, of course, some big returns, some big pops. Of course, the biggest name that everybody's hoping to see, and it seems like that's what they're heading for, is, of course, Jade Cargill. Um, mm-hmm. Jade has been the name that's been circulating around the WWE, has been signed, of course, as of last year. She showed up on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Fastlane, Survivor Series. Uh, where has she been? She gave mm-hmm. that uh, super, uh, the, the music, the hip hop star, Nelly, a wrestling belt. Uh, she was at a football game. She was uh, doing a lot of Titus O'Neil ambassador type of status mm-hmm. as of lately and i think that's great um but of course there's a lot of speculations that triple h said on his press conference that she's not ready yet in his eyes like she still needs mm-hmm. a little more work uh but then a week or two later she posts out that she is ready so hopefully they've kind of figured out all of that he he's ready she's ready type of debacle and we see her finally debut I hope we see her debut. I think WWE is a perfect spot for her uh, with her stardom. She is a mm-hmm. superstar. AEW had a gem. Unfortunately, at the time, we're trying to still figure out that women's division. And, you know, given her just a Goldberg streak of TBS title mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, no real big matches or anything that came to it until like Chris and stuff like that. But again, you know, we'll we'll see and hope that we get nonetheless um, uh, Jade to debut at the Royal Rumble this year. But 
Richie, this is it. This okay. is it. We're done now with me. Yep. You can go home and tell all your friends. You'll never come back on this podcast again. Oh, uh, and everything. No, no, no. Of course. I would love to see you yeah. back again. Um, yeah. After after the show ends, I just ha- if you don't mind just staying back, mm-hmm. I, I, I ask everybody because they always hear this part of the show and ask, why the fuck do you always ask these guys to stay back after? It's, I mm-hmm. want feedback. I, lo- I like mm-hmm. feedback to grow mm-hmm. and expand and, and do better in each episode. So that's why mm-hmm. I ask everybody. So now everybody knows my secret. Uh, that's why I, I have everyone stay back for a brief moment or two. Um, but yeah, is there anything else that you would like to say, plug anything big and exciting happening in your neck of the woods for your podcast and, uh, floor is yours. Uh, no, just, uh, uh, wrestling retold relive with Richie Mars at, uh, on Tuesdays. Uh, we try to have an episode every Tuesday. If not, it's every other Tuesday, but usually it's Tuesday. And then uh, TikTok at Retold Richie Mars again. I'm also on that on Instagram and the Twitter as well. And uh, or X, whatever you want to call it. And uh, with TikTok, uh, it's usually three to five videos a day. Usually they come about about a minute and a half on average, you know, so nothing too terribly long. I try to just go straight to the point. You know, I'm I don't do the call to action stuff. You're just going to get my thoughts, my opinions. You're in, you're out. If you like it, you like it. If you want to hit the follow, hit the follow, but I'm not twisting your arm. You know, if you find me entertaining, if you find me knowledgeable, then great. If you don't, well, I'm sure there's going to be another user for you. <laughs> Listen, I'm twisting your arm. You better follow the man. All right. You need to follow the man. He's a Long Island person, and you know you love your Long Island people. We're the best people out on God's green earth. So why not? You know what I mean? Why not follow us? We always know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to food, you know, food mm-hmm. is always mm-hmm. our uh, our specialty and stuff. The forte, so, yeah, yeah, forte for sure. That's why I'm built like a bean burrito. But nonetheless, I will let you go, and of course, all the good people here let you go as well. We will see everybody tomorrow night for Friday Night SmackDown Watch Along and Rampage New Year New Year's Revolution. I'm great crazy. That's not a pay per view anymore. That is now a show instead. Very interesting for WWE. Um, and of course, Rampage. And then we're back again Sunday for another podcast as well. So definitely stay tuned, stay locked in. Go ahead, follow my guy Richie on all social media platforms. He's doing great things, great podcasts as well, um, and everything on Spotify. So definitely go check out all the links in the description below, as well as all of our partners from Main Event Network, as well as Nord VPN. Go check them out as well and give them a nice holler as well. And we'll see you on the next podcast over here on Last Week in Wrestling. See you all then.